trying to figure out what it's all about Existentialist, am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know Spending time all alone, sending my songs through the phone Dreaming of a better home, we more focused on trying to hone This craft, witchcraft, I hope the Brujas let this last that was a great sound of Watts with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, with my partner in crime, Long Island Raised, Elm City Made, E-Z Blues, is in the building. Easy Blues, you are better with introductions more than me. Who do we have this today on Behind the Brand? You know, we sit in a world where we really are just an amalgamate, an amalgamate of almost everything. When you really truly look at things and when we function at our best is when we take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, throw it together and make an incredible kind of concoction. One of the most amazing things I have ever seen was walking into the house that the Blues of Stella built and seeing a man sitting on a box and another man with a guitar. And from that box, there echoed the sounds of an entire drum kit. And from the guitar, some of the most beautiful melodies were being played. And from the regular chest voice to the falsetta, they were dancing and duetting and sparring in such amazing ways. That was the day the hooch officially became a part of my heart. And we are here today to bring you one of the most founding members of the hooch. Good dear friend, whether you are sitting on the water watching him be married or running from the drone because you're afraid it's going to fall on your head while they're taking pictures. This is the man to have with us. Absolutely amazing. Put your hands together, not if you're driving. If you're driving, please keep your hands at 10 and 2. We do not need any accidents. But mentally, put your hands together for our dear good brother. Our brother from another mother. Our mister from another sister. Our bestie from another, but I'm not going to say that one. Jamar Phoenix. That's quite the intro, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> And and the drone thing is like a hundred percent too. So <laughs> great stories that day. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. There was, but no, brother. You know, you've been on the show a bu bunch of times, but I'm sure there's still one or two people that uh, haven't been to a brewery brewery in which you've played, uh, which is, is shocking because you've played them all. Um, let's tell you a little bit about who you are, man. You are an incredible musician. You you do these aspects and you blend. Um, you know, acoustic, almost like Mumford & Son type of uh, structure with this incredible R&B and hip-hop feel. Um, it does not make sense on paper, but when you guys are playing live, it all makes sense and it is glorious. Like, how did you stumble upon that particular, like, yeah, we're totally going to be different. We're just two dudes in a box, uh, you know. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. So you got to go back to the very beginning. Um, you know, Stella Blues, you mentioned it, was sort of that melting pot of just all people from different walks of music meeting up, 
meeting each other. So we were introduced by um, Katie. She was the, the booking manager at the time, the bar manager. But, you know, she was my bandmate's friend. She introduced him to me. She's like, you know, he raps and you do this. And, oh, you guys should hook up. And, uh, yeah, the, the short version is we had a third member who we were jamming with. He, he kind of threw out the name. And then we um, we morphed the name and just said, we're going to be The Hooch. And, uh, yeah, he moved back down home to NOLA, and we we took off from there. And, um, you know, when it comes to, I think, what you're, what you're getting at is style and just how we do things, there's a word for that. It's called hoochify. <laughs> we, we use it all the time. We say we hoochify things. Um, and, and if there could be a slogan, it would be, you know, we make uh, we make cover songs sound like originals and our originals sound like cover songs in a way, you know, mm-hmm. so it's cool. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting because I think I think what sets us apart, in, especially in Connecticut, um, is that our versatility, right? We the instruments you don't see somebody playing a cajon. Everybody, it's the number one question we always get: What is that? You know, people come up after the gigs. It's a cajon. It's you know, uh, really uh, hails from South America. It's also found a lot in Europe, um, and it's because Mike and the way we mic that cajon. You know, he gets so much sound out of it. He gets so much boom. There's snares inside. So you get the taps and all the intricate things that he does with his hands. And actually lately, you know, I've been going live um, during our, our sets and watching back in the playback. I'm like, wow. Like, you know, uh, you see, remember the Matrix when he was moving really fast, but they did it slow. And it's like, and it's kind of like that because you're like, how how's he moving? So his hands are just going. But yeah, that's bound to happen. Um yeah, so I, you know, I think I think that's what it is. Is that you you get this this instrument, and it's purely an acoustic instrument that we have mic'd up to try to get the drum feel, and it's the way he plays it really sets it apart. And then um, you know, because it's just he and I, I mostly play rhythm, but you know, and everybody who's seen me knows that for the past few years I've been using a looping pedal, so it gives us a lot of uh, a variety, diversity in what we do. Um, because at any given moment we could break out into just something impromptu or, you know, I might, I might loop something and start building it up or now we've thrown it into our sets. Um, my favorite song to play lately in the past year, and I never thought I would play this, but it's, it's, uh, Petty's last dance, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and, and the, I'm going to give it out there, you know, cause hopefully somebody will come and check this out cause it, it doesn't do it justice to talk about it. But what I do now is, is I loop it and Mike doesn't even play. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, he just sings like he sings. the. I sing the parts. He plays harmonica, you know, so it's, we do a lot. And he, he plays harmonica. We both sing, both rap. It's that fusion of all that. He loves hip hop, you know. And so we just we go where the vibe takes us sometimes. Sometimes we play things straight laced. Sometimes we hoochify. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you play something straight laced. I'll be honest with you. I've only seen the hoochified stuff. Um, well, that's because I don't go to like the 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 I, your your thirty four hour gigs. Um, you're like, yeah, oh yeah, I got booked at uh, Bad Sons, and uh, I'm playing from uh, six a.m. to six a.m. the next day. Uh, so I got all the material. I'll be fine. Um, but like, that's the thing. You know, you guys do play for for anywhere between. I've seen your twenty minute sets, and I've seen you know where you you have three three four hour sets. Um, how do you plan for the difference? Like, you know, you know, um, the truth is when we first started and we were building our repertoire of songs and things like that, we did set lists all the time. 
And nowadays, like we haven't really done set lists in years. The only time we we really have kind of done set lists is we played some weddings and when when we play private events, just especially weddings, because sometimes they want certain information, you know, yeah. certain certain sections, certain songs. Um, and so aside from that, we've gotten we're just we have that instinct and that connection where we mostly play to the crowd. We literally look and see who's in the crowd right now. How are they responding to what we're doing? And at any given moment, that dictates where the set goes. We have last year, you know, we added a bunch of songs. I call them Mike songs because he, he sings leads on them and um, really definitely sort of like took it to the next level for us because a lot of them are, are more rock than anything or more like the, the indie indie rock, indie pop genres. Um, but it, it's cool because of that, all the dynamics we could pull off. Um, my favorite is uh, Way Down by Kaleo. Like we play that and, and I always say it like this, no way should an acoustic band be able to pull off what we do, but we get with the acoustic sounds that rock vibe, you know, mm -hmm. and the little dynamics and all the things in the build up and, and the, you know, take them home, home run situation. So, um, yeah, but really at, at this point, it's mostly we, we know so many songs, we've played them so many times and, and we fill out the crowd. And if the crowd's not really into it, we go with, you know, kind of, we have this, this path now from last year that's been a really nice um, set overall. And then we just ride with that. But some, lately we've been getting requests too. And we get a request, you know, like, like you haven't heard something straight laced. I'll say a song that is pretty straight laced is we, we cover Tennessee whiskey, you know, mm. Chris Stapleton. And it's it's two chords, man. Like it's it's, yeah, it's yeah. all about vocals and what I do with the vocals and you know the the beat that Mike plays is is pretty you know standard to what that song is. And um, you know we do requests sometimes if if it happens, I won't reveal everything. But like we play Britney Spears, and mm -hmm. people will ask for Britney Spears. And once we play Britney, we got to play Justin, and then we got to play all these other '90s songs. So it, it could take us into different realms. We've been doing um, some some new like not new songs, but We've added some rock songs in there. Like we were playing Chili Peppers for a while, you know, mm -hmm. but now we've added in uh trying to think of um like Say It Ain't So, you know, and then uh, you know, I've been doing this again, Hoochify. I like to take a mm -hmm. song if I feel it and I feel the vibe is there. So sometimes I take something and for a long time I wanted to play, you know, Simple Man, Leonard Skinner, and mm -hmm. just didn't have the feel on how to do that. And then it dawned on me last year and I was like, okay, I'm going to play like this. And it almost has a hint of a reggae-ish vibe to it. But, you know, we, we play that. And then all of a sudden I go into looping, boom, 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 boom. And then I drop one of my verses from one of my upcoming songs that will eventually be on my album, you know, and it's, it's rap. And it's like, people are just like, what is going on? Because it works so well and it's unexpected. But but that's what we do. Now we're, we're really about what is the vibe? What's the spot? What are people doing? Are they having fun? Are they dancing? If they're dancing, we want to make them dance more. So like we just ride it and it's cool. Mm -hmm. No, that, that's awesome. And and that's the thing. And for, for, you know, the viewers playing the home game, that's from, from years and years of practice. That's from playing shows. That's from getting to know your partner so well that you can build off of these things. And, and, and for real, like, you know, I, they, they do uh, weddings and their version of the cha-cha slide, I'm telling you, it's like you've never seen. Um, you know, how a cajon and an acoustic guitar does the cha-cha slide, it's just something that that you you, you could live for. Uh, it's amazing. I, I am a patient the cha-cha slide. <laughs> it's been this, I'm living in today's years old, I've never heard the cha-cha slide. 
And another fun fact, I never knew what Hoochify was or is until today. So I question this friendship we have. <laughs> it's all time. I have never heard Hoochify. But go ahead, easy. I just had to bring that thought out there. This is crazy. This is a crazy one right now. Go ahead. So call me, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> they, they, yeah. It's insane. It's really insane, brother. You guys have terminology now. My God. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, and and, and, that, and that's the whole thing, too, because, look, you know, the artists that are out there right now, um, the artists that are, that are just starting up their projects, that are, that are trying to figure out their sound, trying to figure out, you know, who they are as a band, you know, you're going to go through stumbles you're going to go through awkward periods you know it's the same exact thing as growing up you're going to hit the teenage phase where everything is awkward and no matter what you do it's either going to sound amazing and heart-wrenching or you're going to look like you had 10 chocolate bars and all the oily pizza rubbed upon your face um and that's just the way it goes but you have to weather through it because then you get into this point. I mean, we've talked about it all the time. One of my biggest uh, heroes in life is Miramoto Musashi. Uh, Miramoto Musashi was a samurai who died of old age, and he had this training technique called the Book of Five Rings. And there's all these different teaching scrolls, and there's the emptiness teaching scroll, where you do something so often it becomes muscle memory, and you can go out and do that. The point that you guys are sitting in and being at a muscle memory aspect of it and being able to actually cater your set and your performance to the crowd that is in front of you, that is something that a lot of these younger musicians might never experience. Um, and what we're here to tell them is continue to push through because you will, you know, and what you did last year might not affect what you did this year, but two or three years down the road, you know, you, oh, dude, you were played that show at Z's Cafe. Here's like, I, I got a, I got a $1,500 budget to, to throw this party, man. Can you like totally jump on here and like, uh, you know, we'll pay you X amount of money. Um, all because you showed up and you played for those three people at, at Z's Cafe three years ago. Um, you know, it is a long-term journey. Um, and it is one that is extremely stressful. And and um, it's heartbreaking. And you, you're constantly asking yourself why. And then you'll turn on the radio and you'll hear music that is not um, uh, good. Uh, and then you really are like, oh, Why? Uh, and then you find out how much money they made for that music. And you're like, but really? Oh, hi. Um, and, you know, and like what people don't spend the $5 to come see real music right now. I don't know what's going on. Uh, how do you get through those type of things? Because that's, that's the thing. I'm setting this up to give you the platform to completely vent your heart right now. Uh, Jamar, tell the people. Tell them what it's like. Tell them the struggle. So first I have to say I'm on my on my deck and the wind is blowing the umbrella. So anytime if you see me like disappear from the frame, it's because it's about to pull a Mary Poppins and I want to stop it. So okay. Okay. <laughs> um, first off, I'm going to start by saying that's such an in interesting conundrum. Uh, one of my friends was recently just talking about this. You know, um, right now, the mantra in professional... I'm not gonna say musicianship, but, but but the singers and the performers out there, the mantra is really smaller, intimate, uh, you know, kind of shows where people are paying fifteen hundred dollars, three thousand dollars for a ticket, 
you know, it's not accessible to most people who actually helped these people get into their spotlights in their careers. Um, and so there's, there's, I know there's some backlash going on about that because um, it's kind of, you're taking music that's for the people and you're kind of taking it away from the people, right? Accessibility. Um, and so I think for the most part, I don't have a percentage, but if I had to guess, you know, 85 to 90% of, of us musicians who play are out and about, you know, the, these shows are free. <laughs> you know, the Stella Blues are rare and the places that actually charge you a cover charge, you know, those are like the Cafe Nines and the Stella Blues and, you, mm-hmm. you know, um, Pacific Standard used to be. But, but at this point, a lot of those venues don't really exist in, in the same light. And most mm-hmm. of the shows are free. And I can tell you how many times, you know, I, I don't keep tabs, but I do keep tabs. And I know certain people who just haven't been to one. And it's like, but you'll spend money to go to, you know, Cirque du Soleil. You'll spend money to go see a hockey game. You know, you'll go do this and that and that. And um, so it's not a lot to ask for. Uh, I think the business side of it is that we as musicians are providing a service to the venue and the venue's expectation is that we're going to bring heads. You know, I've always said that the the blessing for the hooch and why we're great at what we do is we always bring people. We always try to bring people, but most importantly, we keep your people because, because venues forget that's very important. You have your own crowd. Um, you know, where, where Connecticut can transform and improve is venues can get better at promoting that they even have music. Like I've, I, I have a, there was a venue I, I worked with recently where they were talking about doing live music and they were just starting up with it. And I said, I said, Hey, thank you for having us. And, you know, my advice to you is just be consistent. If you plan on building a name for yourself, as far as like Speaking this of being place, consistent, we're on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made EZ Blues is in the building. Third time's a charm. We got Jamar Phoenix with us on behind the brand. Jamar, go ahead and continue. My bad, brother. Never a problem, man. Um, but, but you know, places have to be consistent, you know, because music, unless you're a music venue like the Cafe Nine or, or some of these other places, a college street music hall, you know people are going there for music. But if you're a, a, a brewery, a restaurant, just a bar, and you're having live music and you want it to be known, that's mm-hmm. the way it happens, consistency, because... Now, maybe somebody just happens to stumble upon your venue and they're hanging out one day and like, oh, these guys always have music on Fridays. In the future, if they're in the mood for music, they're going to think of your place, you know. So I always I always tell people that, um, you know, it's tricky. Uh, we've been doing this for a long time. And uh, I actually equate this to like hairdressers because hairdressers, you know, they, they gain new customers and they have to maintain that book. But sometimes those customers move away or they go somewhere or, you know, they switch people and you're constantly building your book. And to be honest, that that's my experience. And, and doing this for so long is, you know, one, one year is the same. You're always hustling. Some places close. We saw that with the pandemic. Like we used to play New Haven all the time. We barely play New Haven. Now we, we played in New Haven in the city maybe once last year because the places don't exist anymore. And that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, so but for, for artists who maybe are starting this out, like that's the word of advice for that is, you know, you, you constantly have to keep reaching out, you know, know, know your know your style and how that's going to play for a place because you can always, you know, say, hey, this is what we do and this is how we do it and give samples and and sell yourself, you know, because it's important to, to sort of let them know what you bring to the table. So, but yeah, and then going back to I want to touch upon the muscle memory thing, because I think that. I think anybody can do that. Right. But mm-hmm. it does take time. It takes practice. And, you know, mm-hmm. so for, for Mike and myself, 
it is that we've been playing together for such a long time that I'll let you in on a little secret. Sometimes we don't practice songs. I bring it to the table at a gig and, you know, it's not all songs, right? <laughs> but it's if it's simple enough, you know, we have that connection where, you know, we'll do it that way. And I'll tell you why. For me, I could practice all I want at home or wherever. Um, and for some reason, it's that first time playing that song out in public where after that, it up. truly clicks. Yeah. You know, like like it, it just has a different feel and I can't explain mm. it. Nothing different can happen. But you just now your mem- your mind just like absorbs it in a different way. And now it's in your muscles. And the more you play that song, and the more you play that song, the more now it, it starts to refine itself. So and that's where the muscle memory comes from. It's really, you know, the act of doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it, it's so true, because like for for those artists also that are going to the studio and different things like that, uh, the best advice I always give them is like, cool, write your material and play out live with it for a year. Because the song you started with is not the song you're going to finish up with. And that song a year later, it's so much more dimension and there's so much more to it. You know, one of the, one of the key things, like if you go back and you listen to all or start reading um, some uh, music biographies or, or autobiographies, uh, um, a lot of the artists are like, oh, yeah, our first recording. Uh, I can't listen to that song. It, it's just not where it's supposed to be and yada, yada, because... You know, there was those times where, you know, you got picked up by a label, you got paid to be in a studio for three weeks, and you had to, you know, go from the ground floor of having nothing to having the demos to recording the record. Um, But after you start playing those songs live and you you see where the feel is going to be, and you know that at this particular moment, it's the peak or it's the drop that the crowd just goes wild for, then you take that into the studio um, and it's such a much better studio experience. Um, now you have, have been in the studio both with the hooch and, and, and with yourself, um, which, you know, not, not to, not to knock on um, anyone or, or call anyone out, but which one do you like more? Uh, what, what does like mean though? <laughs> Uh, the process itself, like which, which which process is the process you're like, this, this, this is it. And, you know, because because that's the other thing. And, and for all of those people who are like, you guys are musicians. The studio is fun for you. That's what you do. It's also work. You said it is ones. work. It is a lot um, of work. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's taxing. And you're also listening to the same song for hours on end until your ears are completely blown out. Um, and, and you can, it's, it becomes this love hate relationship where I just want this to be done and it just needs to be over. And then I'm going to burn the tapes and, <laughs> and what's going to happen. Um, so yeah. So which one, which one makes you feel less like you want to burn the house down? I don't know if it sits in that space, you know, um, because, because I'm, I'm on a progression path. So the hooch recorded. So I'll tell you what, what the game plan has been and, and still is kind of happening in a way. It's just been lengthened out. Uh, you know, you were at my wedding, so I pulled mm-hmm. off that surprise performance that I had written that, that song for that occasion. And, um, you know, it was always my intention to record that solo. And then the hooch, we had some material and we're like, we're going to get in. So we, we want to have something that people could listen to. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it was always like, 
let me do my solo song. Then the hooch does its thing while the hooch is building material for the next project. Um, you know, I'll start working on my solo album so that then once that's done, you know, the hooch can, can put out, you know, work out and putting out some new music there as well. So like filling gaps and stuff. Now there's something that happened. I don't know if you guys heard about it. It's called the pandemic and it, it kind of <laughs> really uh, changed so much, right? <laughs> we lost time from playing out publicly. We had like for a year and a half, we didn't play any gigs. We did some live streams, but that's crazy. Um, and especially we were kind of like on the path that we're on now, we were ascending. So studio wise, you know, um, it was so tricky because we, we put out our Ooch album. Um, mm -hmm. It was May 4th, May the 4th be with you, 2020. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, there was a big discussion. Should we postpone it? Should we wait? What should we do? And what people don't realize is when you go and you do the whole process, get in, you have the material, right? Now you get into the studio, you record it, you do the actual recording part, which is singing and playing the instruments and all of that. And then you get into mixing and then you get into mastering. And then after that, there's still plenty of stuff to happen, right? There's getting, we did a limited CD run. So getting CDs printed, uh, promotional materials, you know, I keep showing the sticker because, that, that's an example right there, getting merch. And I actually took, um, I took artwork and a photo shoot we did, and I made, I, m I merged that with the cover art for the album to make that sticker, which is kind of cool. Um, but, you know, there's so much that happens. And so what happened in, for the pandemic was that, you know, we, we decided to let it ride because everything was all set up to be distributed and had been paid for. And then the pandemic happened. Like, you know, you start these, these things way in advance so that you can release a single, give some time, release a single, give some time, release the album, you know? Um, and so then since then I've been working on my solo project. We just hit four years. We're in the mixing phase. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a big project, you know, so that's on me. And I know people don't do solo projects anymore this way. It's usually a single, a single, a single, but this is just what I wanted to do. And so there's 14 songs, you know what I mean? And six, I produced myself and like we brought in musicians. We did a lot of cool things. Um, so in a sense, I can't compare apples to apples here because really getting into, I, I did studio work, you know, back somewhere around 2005 or six, right? But it wasn't what it is now. Like I'm, I'm so much better at my craft and, and understandings of it so much better. And so then the hooch, when we did our album, that was like the next phase and the next step, you know? And we kind of wanted to put something down that sounded really good, but didn't stray too far of what you hear live. Because I think, you know, I hear bands sometimes when I see them live and I'm blown away and then you hear the actual recorded song, you're like, this doesn't feel the same. It, it, you know, like it feels flat compared to that live performance. So we just wanted to do something that would still kind of carry similar weight to what somebody would hear um, in person because we, we wanted to have recorded music so you could hear it not being at a gig. But then we wanted you to feel like you had some kind of recognition and relationship with the music when you were at the gig because it didn't feel too far different than what you heard, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so then, you know, the reason why it's a progression and not a comparison is that as I started working on my solo project, um, a lot of things happened. One, you know, I, I had my base ideas, but, um, you know, what I would tell musicians is when somebody says, hey, want to try this, want to try that, always say yes, always try it. And, um, you know, the engineer I'm working with, John, you know, he, he's, he was great at talking about that. He's like, I'd rather have it and later say, no, nah, we don't want to use this so it doesn't work than to not have it. Because then you just never know. And we stumbled upon some really cool, like, um, in the moment things that happened, you know. Um, and so in the process, the other thing that was really cool and I'm proud of is um, it validated for me that I really know what I'm doing. Because 
I, it, it was weird. It was like I, I hit another zone, another level for myself when I was sitting in the studio and we're doing all these things. And I was like, yeah, no, I think this should happen. No, no, no. I think that is a little off time by X, Y, Z amount. We need to shift this. Um, you know, I think we need to invert, you know, the levels on these two elements so that the blend is this way or that way. Um, even playing guitar, like I'm, I'm pretty proud of where I am at to this day. I'm, I'm always learning. I'm still trying to grow with that stuff. And um, just the things that accidentally happen, like one song, you know, I was just noodling around, messing around, and the engineer turned around. He's like, "What was that?" And I said, "Oh, I was just doing it." He's like, "Do it again." He's mm-hmm. like, "All right, we're going to record that." And now it's in the song, and it's it's like it's a really key element in the song now that wasn't there before. So, um, I I know that once the hooch gets back in, I'm going to be infinitely even better because I understand mm-hmm. these things. I, I played bass. I taught myself how to you know play bass enough so that I could do some of that on my stuff. Um, you know producing my own stuff that's where the validation came from the fact of it's one one thing to do it in your software and you have all the the parts right and then you give it to an engineer and you start mixing it and and it will change you know mm-hmm. especially effects and levels and blends and all that it, it might change a little bit but to hear where you're getting towards the end result that it's working that's what's really cool about it so i would say that you know overall so far I, it's not that i like recording by myself or with the hooch I think I enjoy the creative process of it a little bit more now because sometimes that's tricky. You know, people don't want to stray from what they have set in their mind. But like I said, I tried things. There were some things that weren't working. There was one song I ha- I handed off to a producer. And then I just, when I got his ideas of how he was going to do it, I was like, you know, what? Uh, it doesn't have the feel. So I took it back. I gave him a different one and I produced that one and I got closer to what I had in my head, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, a lot of, I think, I think it's, that's one of the key things. If I could put it out there for anybody going into a studio is you gotta be open to the process. Actually, I have to thank easy because, um, he was working on a song with his band and graciously enough invited me into the studio and it was awesome to hear everything that was going on. And then I said, Hey, you know, are, are you open to suggestions? And sometimes that's a, a tough question, you know, cause you never know what it's going to be. And, and my note to him was, Hey, I love what's happening here but I hear you taking a breath in this big moment of the song. And I, and just from the listener's perspective, I feel like if there's a way that you can, you know, hold that note until all the music comes back in, there's going to be an impact that right now is missing because of the breath. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Hey, I appreciate that, man. And he rolled with it. And, you know, um, you know, the song's an amazing song, not because of me, but you know, I think, I think sometimes when you're in the studio, it helps to get some perspectives that might not be your own. It helps to try things. And then later on, like I said, and in, in my own project is one song where I tried a really weird kind of dissonant, we'll call it a harmony. And um, so we did it. I said, I'll try it. We'll have it. And, and mixing, I kept hearing it. And I, was, and I had to say to the engineer, it only works if it's super subtle and it's almost subliminal, like it's mm-hmm. in there and it's filling this space but it can't be a key element because it's such an off note. It plays within all of the notes that harmonize together. And so we did it and we mixed it and it, it worked, you know, because at first the mix, it was like, it was off. So, but yeah, I think because there is a creative aspect to recording um, that people forget about, especially if you're a musician, right? Um, and even as a vocalist, like you said, the, what you start out doing, it may not be how you're performing it later on. Like, I do that all the time as I build and build and build. My brain says, you know, I've never inflected up here, but I think I should do that. You know what I mean? I mean, I think I should do a gradual change so that this song doesn't feel the same the whole way through. 
And now you get a little bit of flavor and, and things like that. I think Dua Lipa is amazing and stuff like that. Um, I listen to, to what she's doing because vocally it's really impressive to hear her pull off certain dynamics. And people forget about that dynamic singing. Like in a studio, it everything is under a microscope and you have to really push it and push it. And yeah, nobody's ever satisfied. I'm not satisfied with, with what I hear. There's moments I was like, wow, that's me. And then there's moments like, I don't think that sounds good. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, definitely. And, and, and again, that, that is, that is the real aspect of this. And that's why we love doing this show because we get to tell those stories that, that, you know, not a lot of people really, really truly understand. Um, and the creative process, you know, when you do any type of art, um, you just 100% have to surround yourself with the creative process, even in the darkness in which the monetary doesn't necessarily support the art. Um, and that is something that can be very, very taxing upon one's mental health and can be very taxing um, upon even, you know, the way we feel about ourselves as artists. Um, now, I, I know that uh, you're very public with, with that. Um, is that something you're, you're comfortable to speak about now? How, you, how you're able to maintain the positivity in the face of the gross industry that is our business? <laughs> that's a good way to put it um yeah I'm, I'm okay with talking about it because it's so i think a lot for me just where my mental state is a lot has changed especially over the kind of year that i had last year it was a very difficult second half of the year and i don't even have time in this show to talk about it it's just so crazy and people would say wow like i, I keep saying people would say wow like who did you do wrong who put a hex on you like um, and so where I am nowadays is mm -hmm. I am, I feel like I've matured enough to be realistic with things. And sometimes people say, don't compare yourself to others or, you know, you shouldn't talk like that. You should be positive or whatever, because I think sometimes there could be a stigma against being realistic. And when I say that is me saying actually where I am or what's happening and looking at it from that realistic scope, because only then can you game plan for where you want to be and where you want to try mm -hmm. to keep going. Um, I've been doing this, like I said, for a long time, you know, I started doing the open mics back in 2013 and then eventually we started playing out. And so to, to be able to do it for such a long time takes a certain, uh, certain backbone, I think. Right. And you, you touched upon it, you know, um, one cool thing that, that sort of corroborates what you're saying about the money in the industry and what people get paid to provide these services is uh, we were playing at a, at a place in Milford last summer. And I kid you not, there were probably like four or five people there. The cool part was out of those, three of them had seen us in different places and it was not even connected and it was crazy. And um, one person actually walked in by accident and had seen us the week prior and was like, wait, were you playing at such and such spot? And we're like, yeah. And it was cool, you know, um, but they, those people were there to actually see us except for that guy. And one of the guys came over after he's like, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I used to play all the time. I played for like 30 years. Now we only get together every once in a while. So we just try to do some kind of reunion show. And he's like, you know, they're still paying the same amount that they paid 40 years ago. Like this was an older gentleman, right? And, and, and that's the truth about it. You know, everything has gone up. Inflation, right? You know, gas, you're traveling, you know, the expense for a car, um, equipment. I could tell you the looping pedal I play right now, I bought for, I think, $249. It now sells for $369. It's the same piece of equipment, 
right? So um, speakers, everything. And um, it, I think I think it's because places don't truly acknowledge the value of why they have live music or on the flip side, and this is just me being, you know, real to the point of real, they don't, they're not in it for that reason or they don't understand that that's why they're having live music. And the point of live music is to entertain your patrons, hopefully, you know, create a brand or, you know, um, sort of, like I said, a name for your business that you're, you have live music so that people, when they want live music, they're going to think of your place as the place to go to, right? And there are some some marquee places around Connecticut that do this. Obviously, the ones that are music venues, it's easier. But the ones that aren't, those are the ones who have to work harder. Um, and so the truth of it is, I think it's that I think it's that venues don't truly appreciate what's happening, and they also um, don't look at it from the scope of what it really is. So they see the performance, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing three hours for you. We take a small break. They see that performance. They don't see the loading. They don't see the you know, the setting it up. They don't see the breaking down and taking it home. They don't see the driving back and forth. Like I average at this point, 45 minutes to an hour for every gig one way. You know what I mean? They don't see that. They don't see any expenses. And more importantly, they don't see the uh, sheer amount of practice and rehearsal sometimes that you have to do outside of that show to be top notch, right? So but they yeah. better see us on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. Jamar Fiennes, please give us that knowledge. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so I think that's where the industry could change, you know. Um, as musicians, like one time I I broke down with that, what I was taking home for a performance, and, and I kind of just put my head down because, you know, I have my own business. And so I, I do it legitly. So I made this decision a few years back, you know, some places were, were paying us and having to do 1099s and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Like I need to, I need to make sure that I'm legit with this now that I'm actually doing live shows and performing out and stuff. And um, so I set up my LLC. And so outside of gas and expenses and travel, I have taxes too, but I guarantee you no business is, is thinking about that. And what I could say to you, shockingly, is if you break it all down and look for an hourly, we make less than minimum wage. It's kind of crazy. Um, there's one venue where the very first time that we played there, I know that we brought 30 to 40 people. You know, we just had a great turnout. The place was busy itself. And I did sort of like base estimates on how many people walked through the door. I, I like clean numbers. I said 100. It was way more than 100. And I said, what if, you know, everybody spent just 20 bucks? You know, they spent way more than that. And you, and you equate to a number. And you say, okay, so we're getting X, Y, Z. And they made this much, you know. And what I would love to see the industry maybe take an attempt at is if you settle on an agreement, maybe build in an incentive. Like if you have a really great, like, evening where you just massively make way more money, do a, do a kicker, like throw, throw the band some extra money. Because again, back to my ultimate point of why, why I could just talk about myself or the hooch, why mm-hmm. we are so good at what we do. The mm-hmm. most important element, we keep your people there. Mm-hmm. And if the, mm-hmm. I've had people come up to us and say, I was supposed to leave seven drinks ago. And this is a true story, you know, like, um, and now multiply that, right? right. We're making you extra money mm-hmm. by providing a good service, but more importantly, being good at it. Like, the sound is good, the balance, the levels, you know, and the product is polished. And um, so, yeah, going back to that, you know, it, it's tough when venues don't want to pay you the money that you know you're worth. And sometimes we we just 
we, we go in with the open mind of sometimes you're going to maybe, you, you can't always turn it down. Sometimes we've, we've booked private parties, weddings and things like that because of playing for less money sometimes. So you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, and in, in the end, at least you get, you get better with your craft. It's just another gig, more experience. Maybe you played songs that you haven't played before, you know, um, it's it's extra rehearsal technically, even though you're you're playing a live show. So it's a tricky thing, man. But the, yes, the truth is, speaking for everybody out there, that you know we we don't get paid what we should get, get paid. And also, unfortunately, you know somebody like myself that's seasoned and a veteran um, is still on the same scale as somebody who's just starting out. And that's no knock to somebody starting out, you know. But but I also think that there should be uh, some kind of separation for expertise and you know, like you go to a supercuts versus <laughs> an actual parlor or even a barber shop, you know, that specializes in the cut you want. You might pay a little bit more of that barber shop, but it's the expertise and, and his product, right? That you're paying for. And that that justifies that. It should be the same in our industry. You know, if, if people have been doing it for long enough and you know they're really good, um, you hired them because of that, mm -hmm. you should pay them accordingly. No, and that's and and that is first of all massively amounts of incredibly fair points, and um, a, a conversation that we haven't necessarily had on the show in particular. B being someone who's kind of sat on both sides of it, as per the performance aspect and actually the venue aspect as well, um, I think there were the the venue that I always respected the most because um, Adam was just so super upfront with what he needed from that point of view. He understood his business. He understood that for him to open his door, he had to guarantee $2,000 was made, you know, for him just to turn the key because, you know, that's the staff that's required there and those, those different things. And when you go into that aspect and you do break things down, let's say, okay, so the average uh, you know, person at a bar, and you have to do the average because there's some people who are gonna do more, there's some people that are gonna do less, but it's the average thing to have that person come through needs to spend $20. So for them to hit that 2000 mark, you need you know, 100 people to spend $20, uh, you know, $20 in, in, in that type of aspect. You need mm -hmm. that aspect to, to move forward and to grow and to understand how that goes. And we as musicians need to look at it in the exact same way. Be like, okay, cool. For us to play this show, the bare minimum that we need is, you know, as as the, the amazing my, my amazing cousin, Mr. Frank Critelli, says, you know, not a lot, just enough. Put a little bit of, you know, money in your pocket, get a little bit of Chinese food on the way home, you know, not too much, but just enough. Um, and 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 that's you know what it is to 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 be happy, but there are also those, those statesmen, I guess, or those people who, like, I'll be honest with you, I honestly don't care how much I get paid to play a show. I care that I get the opportunity to take a stage. I care that it's, it's an opportunity to live out a moment. Um, and I, you know, and, and, but that's me, I'm broken. Um, you know, um, so I, I look at it always from that extra art aspect and, and, you know, it's just that, that extra opportunity. And I never want to live a life of what if, you yeah. know, when, when people are like, oh, there's a hardcore gangster rap bill coming through. And someone's like, it'd be great if you played that show with your acoustic guitar. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm totally going to do that. Um, because like, why, why not? Like who, who doesn't want that story? Um, but when you live a life like that, you, you know, you stay out on a Sunday night 
um, that's you're supposed to work, you know, a, a big DJ venue and you wind up just hanging out with Tony Crush from the Cold C Crush Brothers all night. And that's a fun Sunday night. Is it a Sunday night that broke my bank? No. Um, was I able to get some Chinese food just for the way home? Yeah, it was just enough. It, fill, it filled my soul in other ways. I think but that's it is a good point. Very, yeah. Yeah. And that, it's just, um, it's, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, what, what you're going to talk about is know, know, what, know what you want to get out of it going in, right? Because there's a difference between, there's a difference between different show types. You know, sometimes if, if you're playing a creative show, the reason for being there is different than if you're playing a show at a bar or restaurant where, you know, your reason for being there is you just want to make money. Um, you know, and then also being realistic too, like what you said from the venue's perspective, um, don't go in asking for like the bank, you know, because you have to understand there's a give and take. You have to understand that the venue needs to make money. You need to make money. Um, the day of the week matters, you know, obviously don't expect to get paid what they're going to pay on a Friday or Saturday night. Don't, don't expect that on a weekday or on, even on a Sunday sometimes. Um, and that's okay too. You know, I think, I think there are some, you know, we could talk about bad venues, but we should also talk about good venues. There are, mm -hmm. there are venues out there that really care and that um, appreciate the musicians and they, they appreciate what's happening because I, I'll equate it to this. When I was, when I was younger, I helped operate a carousel and uh, the carousel has music, right? And it's a very simple thing. You're on this thing that goes around and some of the horses go up and down and some don't move. And then the other component is the music. Well, the, the venue is the carousel and then we know what the music does. And, and there's just something about music being universal. It doesn't matter. Like if you're at a, a venue and music is on, all of a sudden you lose track of time. You have a great time. Next thing you know, it's time to go home. You're like, what happened to the past three or four hours, right? And that's that's the beauty of it. That's it. It's the experience, right? Overall, at the end of the, of the day, it's that. Um, and, and then the things that happen in that, I could tell you a, a true story. The Hooch was playing a gig a few weeks back and our, I'll, I'll let it out. The cat's out the back. Our last half hour, we call it, I, I yell into Mike, power half hour, because we just go hard. You know, it's like some of the more up-tempo songs and it gets you dancing and all that. And I kid you not, this little kid, I don't know how old he was, um, just, we were playing Counting Stars. We were covering Counting Stars. And uh, this kid just came out and started breakdancing. And then he came yeah. up to us, yeah, after. And he was like, he was like, oh my God. I, like I was loving dancing and you guys just kept playing more songs and more songs. And I just kept wanting to dance and it was cool, you know, like, and those are the experiences that happen from, from doing that. That's a, that's the bonus. That's the, that's the true payoff um, outside of anything monetary are the experiences that people have really. Um, and that you can't put a, you can't put a dollar, you know, we can't weigh that. <laughs> no, we no, can't, no, but we unfortunately can't. we can state that they are pulling the Apollo curtain right now. And we are, we are winding down of time as much. We love to sit and talk. This could be a separate show oh. about a third of the length of your last hooch set, which I think is <laughs> awesome. But I will say this, this is the opportunity. Jamar, tell the people how they can get in touch with you. Tell them, you know, how they can invest in the hooch, in the Jamar, in the Phoenix, and in the awesomeness. Yep. So I, I I play solo and I play with my band. So if you're looking for me solo, this is my name. You can find me on the socials. Just add the word music behind it. The hooch is spelled like that. Go to our website, thehooch.com. You can see that right there. It says thehooch.com. <laughs> um, and basically, yeah, you know, the way you support is really the biggest way is come out to some of our gigs. And, and what do you have to lose? You're going to 
really enjoy yourself. I guarantee it at this point because I've been doing it long enough that we can guarantee our product. Um, and, you know, we might we might turn some heads because we do things a little bit differently. Hence the word hoochify. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> come to shows, check out our music online, stream it, um, you know, tell your friends, tell your grandmas, whatever. We played to the crowd. We could do some, you know, uh, <laughs> back in the day music. And, yeah, um, music is about living life and enjoying it. It definitely is awesome. awesome on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, with my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made. Jamar, thank you again. This has been Behind the Brand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Wondering what to write about. Trying to figure out what it's all about. Excellentialist. Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know I don't know I don't know Spending time all alone Sending my songs to the phone Dreaming of a better home Wing while focused on trying to hone This craft Which